First, I must thank the leaders of each of your countries who have graciously and in the interests of peace turned over all their broadcasting facilities to us to help avoid confusion in this crisis. I'm sad to say that there has been a carefully coordinated and quite violent attempt by the conspiracy of scientists to commandeer control of our facilities at many key locations all around the world. I don't believe it. The loss of life has been enormous. I don't believe this is happening. Both to your people and ours. Believe it. Your national leaders have suggested that a state of martial law will be most helpful at this time. And we agree. Yeah, but the Griffin family amnesty, right? Just like we arranged. Who is this family that's in hiding anyway? Oh, um, just a bunch of scientists. Shalom. On the wake up. Live from FEMA Region 2, back at it one more again for the most dangerous two hours in radio on the wake up with your host this evening, your brother Cam Kazi the Cutlass. Shout out to my co-host, my brother John, the Masonic Marine from the Truth Booth Podcast. Shout out to super producer Cindy Ashby for bringing this all together. Shout out to the whole On The Wake Up Radio family and shout out to you, the listener of the On The Wake Up Radio army. Check us out at onthewakeupradio.com. Let me just put that into the chat box right now because it's going to be a hot show this evening. Onthewakeupradio.com where you can listen to our 24-hour streaming broadcast Yes, 24 hours, ladies and gentlemen. You can also check out our archives at SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, iTunes, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. I want to give a big shout out to all the folks tuning in worldwide on OnTheWakeUpRadio.com. Last week, the last seven days, we had 30,000 listeners. 30,000 listeners in seven days, ladies and gentlemen. That's what we're talking about. This is how you break the matrix. While so many people are depending on these social media platforms, you know, the YouTube, SoundCloud, no, excuse me, the YouTube, the the Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all that other stuff. You see Twitter put up their um their little streaming audio thing, whatever you call it. But in the end of the day, they they set up these platforms, people get comfortable. And then when they're ready, they pull the rug from underneath people's feet. And then all of a sudden, oh, yeah, same thing with uh, blog talk radio. You know, they have all these different platforms, people paying big money for these, you know, just for a half hour or an hour of programming. And then they're running commercials in the middle of your, <laughs> of your broadcast. And at the end of your broadcast, if, you know, you can be in the middle of whatever you're saying, it don't matter. Cut your ass off. That's how they do. So, you know, what we have over here at onthewakeupradio.com is special because we have our streaming broadcast. No one's going to cut you off. No advertisements are going to cut you off. Listen, you could be talking sh big shit about the pharmaceutical industry. And then <laughs> right, right when they cut you in the middle of the conversation, they might run an ad for the pharmaceutical industry. So that's, the, you know, the, the irony and the fuckery that's involved. So, you know, 
again, um, big up to everyone who's tuned in to us on onthewakeupradio.com. As always, we recommend you go to onthewakeupradio.com. You can listen in. If you're listening on the on the IG Live, you can listen. You can still be on the IG Live. Just turn down the volume and listen to the crisp, clear broadcast on onthewakeupradio.com because that's what we have it for. This uh, IG Live that we do, this is for our IG family who have been so supportive of us through the many changes that we've gone through. It's for the people. People. It's not for IG. You know, if people that that don't know us decide to come on or maybe if y'all share this with someone who you feel is on the wake up, that's cool. We appreciate that. But it's for y'all, our loyal family who have been with us since day one, who have really helped us to grow this platform. And it's a it's a salute to you more than anything, because if it weren't for you, we wouldn't be on IG at all. Fuck Instagram. That's what we say to it, honestly. But, you know, it's a means to an end and it's a way for people to grow and network. That being said. This is also why we created OTWTube.com. OTWTube.com, ladies and gentlemen, go and sign up now. Compete game, okay? Because right now, you're getting into OTWTube.com on the ground level. And a lot of those videos that you're seeing being deleted from the YouTube and the other platforms, they're popping up on OTWTube.com. We got a little something special that separates us from the rest of the platforms as well. You know, we don't have to talk about what that is, but you're not going to be censored. You're not going to come up against, you know, community guidelines for something that you say. And this is the environment that's being created so that we can have the conversations that need to be had, okay? We can have them on Instagram a little bit, but Instagram, you see how much they're shutting them down. People have to use, you know, code words to talk about the V thing and all that. You know, uh, we're warming up the mic right now, folks. So we're not going to, you know, use those words right now. But best believe we're going into all that shit tonight. You know, we don't hold back on the Wake Up Radio. So, you know, sign up on OTWTube.com. It's free. They don't ask for a whole bunch of information, but it's a good place for you to network and to put up content in a place where, you know, hopefully it'll remain there throughout the ages. Shout out to FEMA administrator, Deanne Criswell. Deanne, thanks for keeping the lights on. Or are they? If you're in the East Coast, you may have... um, gone through this snowstorm that we have some places got hit a lot worse than others but one thing that they were playing up in the media big time was the uh the chance of power outages now i'm looking at this power outage map and oh yeah folks you already know take out your pens papers notebooks uh microsoft word text edit whatever you got to take some notes because we're definitely talking about some shit this evening and if you have your browsers open, that's great because, you know, it's fun. I love going through these things in real time, and I love how y'all shoot me information on the fly. And a lot of the information that you may send our way, you know, it's vetted to a certain extent. So, you know, you just tell us, hey, look at this, and then we can go pull it up while we're on the show, and then we can discuss it. So I'm looking at the U.S. Power Outage map. That's at poweroutage.us. These are the type of resources that we need to be familiar with at all times because let's say a storm hits. So you just, you know, you have an inkling that something might be going on. 
Check out the power outage US just to see what's going on. Right now, it doesn't look like there are any major power outages. So I guess we made it through this storm in one piece. One reason, there's many reasons that, you know, I started tuning into something like this, but this particular reason was the storm that just passed. And with this storm in the media, I'm in New York, you know, I'm in New York City. And in the media, they were talking about how this could lead to massive power outages. Now, if you remember on past shows, or if you're familiar with the Friends of David Goldberg content, Friends of David Goldberg, like I said, just write it down, look it up. You can still find it on certain platforms. But the Friends of David Goldberg content, now this came out in probably mid-2019. And as we're running our show, John and I were listening to the audios from the Friends of David Goldberg. And David Goldberg, you know, he, he died. Yeah, excuse me. He got killed. And then this audio was released. He had a peace, peace, love and light. Purposely potent. I see you. Salute. David Goldberg. Hey, check, go check us out on onthewakeupradio.com. Definitely you want to listen to this broadcast on onthewakeupradio.com. But yeah, so mid-2019, started listening to the Friends of David Goldberg content. David Goldberg don't really know who he was. He said he had um, contacts in, in uh, Trump's White House who were feeding him information. And he was somebody who was apparently connected, you know? He was uh, a Zionist to a certain extent. But then I guess it got to a point where he realized certain things were going to happen that he couldn't go along with. This is the story that was translated to us through his audios. And mind you, he was talking for a while, you know, definitely all throughout 2019, uh, maybe into 2018. And he dropped a lot of information, a lot of specific stuff. And he told us about false flags that were going to occur that did occur. And so his information was, I don't want to say it was vetted because, you know, he, he was talking about he was reading White House documents that were given to him, but he couldn't disclose the exact documents. He couldn't put the documents out, but he gave us the gist of what was in those documents. And a lot of the stuff did come to pass. One of the things that he warned us about was blackouts, prolonged blackouts. And he said that it was probably going to happen during the winter of 20. I don't know if he gave a date, but after he died, a guy named Tom kind of took over because this is someone with whom with uh, with whom he was in communication. So Tom was telling us that there was going to be blackouts. Both of them said it between, I think it was uh, winter 2020 to 21. Now, why didn't it happen during then? In my personal opinion, it's because so many people are talking about these things that they can't just run this program, you know? Um, sidebar, I was, I've been listening to Mark, Mark Cornkey a.k.a. Mark from Michigan. We talked about him last week, and we'll bring him up again this evening. Mark from Michigan, he was giving his talks back in 1993, 1994. Mark from Michigan told us that because we're having these conversations, the New World Order or whatever you want to call them, whatever you want to call these power elites, you know, they have to speed up their timetable. He says a lot of the things that we've been saying on this show, actually, about how sloppy they are. Now they have to accelerate their timetable because too many people are waking up and too many people are aware of what's going on. So it's my opinion 
that, you know, maybe we didn't have those blackouts, those prolonged blackouts because so many people are aware of the plan, right? So here we are in winter 2022 right now. It's January 30th, 2022 right now. And even though those blackouts didn't happen a year ago, two years ago, we still need to be vigilant and aware that that plan is on the table. If you remember during the presidential campaign, um, uh, what's, this, what's this motherfucker's name? Um, <laughs> Jim Crow Joe Biden was talking about it's going to be a dark winter. Trump said, no, it's not. He said, yes, it is. It's going to be a dark winter. That dark winter, you know, that, that hit different for a lot of us because we realized that that, you know, plan blackouts plan was still on the table. I'm going to take you back to a few cases. This was, again, I believe it was 2019, Northern California. They had prolonged blackouts. Now, again, we had been listening to the David Goldberg stuff. So when this happened, there's a red flag. We said, oh, shit, pay attention. All right. To me, this was a test run because they said, oh, shit, we're going to get, we're going to, what'd they say? We're going to get strong winds. So. I guess they made it seem, and they want to, you know, prevent wildfires. So they made it seem as if it was because of the wildfires or because of the wind that the power was knocked out. That's not what happened. The mayor, what was it? The governor, I think it was the governor of California, not Newsom, this other motherfucker, um, was um, in San Francisco, and they were looking at the big grid because apparently... You can see all the geoengineering stuff from a certain building in San Francisco. They said, okay, let's cut the power. I think it was the PG&E building, actually. They said, okay, let's cut the power. Cut the power, didn't tell anybody. I know people who were living in the areas that where, where the power was cut off. They said they woke up that day, woke up that morning, and the power was out. Okay? So for us and on the wake up and on this network, that let us know, okay, boom, this is exactly what dude was talking about, these planned blackouts. And, you know, it came out very quickly that this was not an act of nature, but this was an act of man. And furthermore, when the power was shut off, you had all the, the energy was still being created by whatever power plants, right? And so this energy needed to be displaced somewhere. So what did they do? They sent this energy. I think that's when the Paradise Fire happened. They sent it like these power surges to places like Paradise. I was actually listening to, to one website. It might have been Logic Before Authority or 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 um Above Ground World News. I think that's what you call it on YouTube. Great, great, uh great uh what do you call it? Channels. Another good one is Dutch Sense, because they all cover dis different aspects of what we're dealing with right now, right? So it was one of it was either Dutch, it was either logic before authority. I think it was logic before authority actually. And he showed us the he was showing us the map and the heat maps and all that. And he showed us the power surge. He said, Oh, there was a power surge. What's going on? Look into this. Anybody who's in this area, there may be a fire, blah, 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 right? Fast forward, a huge fire had broken off. So we actually, in real time, we got to see the explosion that led to the fire, okay? 
This was while there were blackouts, prolonged blackouts. The people in that area of California, they had their blackout for, it was like a week or 10 days or something like that. Shit was goofy. And I was talking to my people who live in that area, and they were talking about the gas lines. Everything was shut down. There was only one gas station that had gas. gas. People were getting a little crazy, you know, supermarkets, they, the foods, all that stuff. Listen, this stuff happened overnight, and people were not prepared. And, you know, I, I feel like, you know, a fucking, what do you call it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, the way I run my mouth about these things and, and about, um, you know, just basic preparedness. And to see my people in that situation, you know, it's like, what more could I have told them? Because I, I, I used to live out there. I used to live in that same exact uh, area. And so, you know, I know people got annoyed when I would run my mouth about these things, thought I was a conspiracy theorist and all that shit. Mind you, these are like hippies and all kind of shit, you know, people who were a little open-minded, but they still thought I was, you know, for the most part, a conspiracy theorist and a prepper and, you know, a fucking doomsday Armageddonist or whatever you want to call it. I wasn't that. I was just like, listen, man, we're in a place where, you know, we should be prepared just in case. Lo and behold, government fucked them, right? So now fast forward to 2020 when they're enforcing all these mandates, these mask mandates and all this shit. And in L.A. County, the mayor of L.A., because some people, you know, L.A. in in California, they still got that rebel spirit. That's still the wild, wild west. And I always tell you, every place outside of the major cities is like Virginia, like old school Virginia. Not this new blue shit. I'm talking about old school, like 1990s, early 2000s, Virginia. They like their guns. They like their peace. They like to be left alone, okay? That's what it's like outside of the major cities in Cali. But even in the cities, there's still, you know, a little rebel spirit in certain ways. So when the, the mayor was making all these mandates and the governor of California was doing all these mandates, you know, the people were basically like, fuck you, we're going to run our business. And the mayor of LA threatened to cut the power to the business owners in LA. He, he threatened to cut power and water if they continue to open up their businesses, okay? Straight tyrannical shit, first and foremost. But again, that showed us that it's nothing but the flip of, flip of a switch, for these people to shut off power. So they could try to tell us that, oh, it's a cyber attack, it's an EMP, it's all this shit, but it could just really be someone in some office building flipping a couple switches and now businesses and homes don't have power. Look what happened in Texas last year, right? Coming up on the, the anniversary of the Texas deep freeze. One, one, that looked like that was weather warfare. That looked like weather warfare, okay? That was some kind of polar vortex that came all the way down, that dipped down into Texas where they were severely unprepared for that type of weather, okay? A snowstorm came, ice storm, completely froze them out. The wind turbines for the, uh, for the, for the wind fields, the energy fields, that was, um, they were frozen because they couldn't take those temperatures. But then also something that happened was when they had those power outages, the power was cut, okay? The power didn't go out because of the weather. The power was cut 
And you can go back, you can sift through the articles and find that for yourself. You want to do a little homework to verify what I'm saying? Go back and look at those articles and see. They'll let you know, no, the power was cut in Texas, okay? So, and then that goes into a whole other thing because, you know, apparently some of the, I believe it was some of the transformers, some of the major transformers that they're using out there to see that Texas is like a Texas, Oklahoma power grid, I think it is. And that power grid, it's its own power grid separate from the rest of the nation. And so when that that power grid, I think it's the transformers that are being used in that power grid. Those are Chinese transformers. That means China has a back door to it. That means the people of Texas are at the mercy of China. Okay. And, you know, obviously Biden allowed this to happen through some kind of deal or some shit like that, whatever. But one thing we started talking about on this show is the weaponization of the infrastructure, okay? Where we're at right now, between the surveillance technology, a lot of the technology we have in our homes, I mean, our televisions, our phones, the cameras, the different camera systems, CCTV, a lot of this stuff, China and other hostile nations have access to it. They have backdoor access, okay? Look at the PCR tests that people are taking right now. Apparently, well, one thing, if you don't know, the PCR test is collecting your DNA. If you don't know that, you should know that. PCR test is definitely sequencing your genome, okay? For sure. Because it says that, I wish I had the paper with me. It says that on the paper. It says, listen, this is sequencing your genome, looking for human human RNAs, okay? Seeing if you have the, the, I think the human RNAs gene or something like that. I can't remember which gene it is. But clearly, in order for them to find that, they need to sequence your DNA. That means they know exactly who you are on the genetic level. And... Apparently, I learned this recently, that all this information is being sent off to China. So now China has your information. So when we talk about the weaponization of the infrastructure, you have to realize there are so many different aspects and so many different ways that this is happening. You know, you've got the, obviously the 5G and, you know, 5G towers, especially during this pandemic, being put up all around. That's part of the, you know, the weaponization of the infrastructure. Then also the Wi-Fi. People don't, as much as people talk about 5G, I'm almost surprised that they don't talk as much about the Wi-Fi. Because the Wi-Fi to me is um a lot more up close and personal. Some people should realize that with the Wi-Fi. Uh, let's say you have a child, a, a little girl that's in kindergarten right now, right? If she if she's exposed to Wi-Fi, her exposure to Wi-Fi is not going to affect her as much. It will, but not as much as what we're talking about. Won't affect her child as much, but it will affect her granddaughter. You'll see the genetic changes in that child's granddaughter, okay? So this is what we're talking about. Wi-Fi is a, is a weaponized frequency just like 5G is a weaponized frequency. And so I know uh, we don't – a lot of people, they'll talk about 5G, but they won't necessarily talk about Wi-Fi. 
all right? And you can look at Barry Trower. Barry Trower, he is one of the leading experts on um, what we call it, energy weapons, okay? He was there in the beginning. He worked for um, British military, maybe SAS. I can't remember exactly what branch or where, where he worked in the British military, but he worked in electronic warf warfare. And he's, you know, he's an older man. He's like World War II, maybe a little after World War II age. But he's an expert on this, and you should listen what he has to say. Barry Trower. I think you spell it T-R-O-W-E-R, -E something like that. You'll figure it out. Barry Trower. Look them up because that will give you a better idea of what we're dealing with. So as they roll out this 5G, I mean, that is completely a weapon. That shit. You think, you know, Wi-Fi is bad. Just wait till you learn more about 5G. You know, it's, it's fucking devastating. But it's a weapon. They don't need 5G in the end of the day. Not the way they're rolling it out. And I've even heard hypotheses that what they're calling 5G might not be the same 5G that's being rolled out in other countries, but I don't know much about those things, so I don't know. I, I try not to speak on things I don't know something. I don't know something about, you know? So this is what we're saying, you know? The weaponization of the infrastructure, and there's going to be an ongoing conversation. And even going back to the Friends of David Goldberg stuff, that... The elites and the powers that be, they realize that they're in a position where the people are waking up too fast. We're having these types of conversations at a much higher rate than they expected. And they still don't have all the pieces in place to execute their final solution. And... This is why it's so important for all of us to continue to have these conversations and tell our friends, tell our family members, and just keep pushing it. You know, even on social media. I mean, social media, it is putting a giant target on your back. But at the same time, it's like the target is already being put there. It's just about how precise of a target you want on your back, you know? Some people are working off on social media, and I really commend those people. Some people are out there in the streets. I see more and more stickers on the train about people saying, you know, don't take the jab and, you know, arrest Bill Gates and all that type of shit. Fire Fauci, arrest Dr. Fauci, that type of shit. I see, I see people writing in fucking uh, <laughs> Sharpie pens, okay? So, the, hey, hey, whatever it takes, you know, civil disobedience is a must right now. At the very least, civil disobedience, okay? I mean, if y'all want to follow the example of Dr. King, that is civil disobedience, okay? Gandhi, even God, I don't fuck with Gandhi, but Gandhi, the Indians, you know? I fuck with the Indian, the movement of the Indians and what they were doing against the British. Civil disobedience. They said, fuck the British. We're not going to buy your salt. We're going to walk to the ocean and we're going to get our own salt. Whatever you got to do. It's okay to be civilly disobedient. Um, I went back to an old show that we had. I think, was it prior to? No, it was during COVID. It was 2020, I think early 2020, but I read the Declaration of Independence, part of the Declaration of Independence. And in the Declaration, it says very clearly that, you know, paraphrase it, if, if your country becomes tyrannical, 
it is your responsibility to remove that government and put in one that's more favorable towards you, period, full stop, okay? So it's actually our civic duty to find a way to arrest these people. And I say find a way because, you know, I mean, it could be end up being a bloody revolution, but I, I wouldn't trust a bloody revolution in 2022 because I don't believe it would be um, spearheaded by the people. I believe there would be agent provocateurs who would spearhead it and then, you know, gain control and then turn this into a tyranny. That's what I believe would happen. I would love to think that, you know, a group of citizens could get together without any ulterior motives and unseat these tyrants from the seat of power. I, I do. I would like to believe that. Do I believe that? I don't really believe that, but I'd like to believe that. You know, let me see this. I'm going to pull up this article real quick. Just going to go to NBC News because that's the first one to pop up. This is from January 13, 2022. Headline. Supreme Court blocks Biden's COVID requirements for businesses, upholds health care workers mandate. Okay. Washington. Supreme Court on Thursday blocked the Biden administration's rule requiring larger businesses to ensure that workers are vaccinated against COVID-19 or wear masks and get tested weekly. But the court said a separate mandate requiring vaccinations for an estimated 20 million health care workers can be enforced. The workplace rule, which the Occupational Safety and Health Administration, or OSHA, announced last fall required companies with 100 or more employees to ensure that their workers either get, get vaccinated or wear masks and show negative COVID test results at least once a week. OSHA estimated that the rule, which would have covered nearly 80 million U.S. workers, would save, our, would save over 6,500 lives and prevent 250,000 hospitalizations in the next six months. The court's conservative majority said the administration had gone too far in imposing such a sweeping requirement on the nation's businesses. Quote, although Congress has indisputably given OSHA the power to regulate occupational dangers, it has not given the agency power to regulate public health more broadly, end quote. The conservative justices wrote in an unsigned opinion, quote, requiring the vaccination of 84 million Americans selected simply because they work for employers with more than 100 employees certainly falls in the latter category, end quote. The three liberal justices, justices said in their dissent that OSHA was well within its authority and expertise to impose the mandates, unlike the court, which they said was, quote, lacking any knowledge of how to safeguard workplaces and insulated from responsibility for any damage it causes, end quote. So I'm just pulling this up so people recognize that, one, this, this you know, this mandate by the president was clearly unconstitutional, but people in this day and age are willing to bend the constitution out of fear. I don't want to say out of public safety, but out of fear because they don't know the facts. I've been listening to these doctors. So 
Senator Ron Johnson brought all these doctors and, you know, some vaccine injured people, nurses, um, experts down to Washington, D.C. for January 23rd to discuss these, um, you know, what's going on and basically to give a second opinion on what's going on with, um, with COVID and the vaccine and the mandates and all that stuff, right? And the information that they were dropping, listen, it's five and five hours and change long, but it is worth it, worth it, well worth it to check out those five hours. It's like five and a half hours of just testimony. And the thing is that it's not official congressional testimony, but it's a panel. And it's these experts coming in and just the bombs that they're dropping. Oh, my gosh, folks. All that to say, the information is out there. The truth is out there. Um, enough people know what's going on. And this whole COVID pandemic is falling apart, okay? Or is it? Or is it? This narrative may be falling apart, but... Maybe they don't need it to, you know, maybe they don't need this COVID narrative anymore because they put in the framework and the infrastructure for what they really want to do. And that's the part that, um, you know, makes me a little bit nervous. And, and I've been saying this for a few months now, that I, I don't really think that COVID is the big one, per se. I don't think it's COVID. I think when it comes to pandemics, there's going to be another pandemic that has nothing to do with COVID. I even think that this lockdown that we've seen in, the, in this, whole, this whole environment that's been created since... COVID started. I just think this was so they could put certain certain parts of the infrastructure into place to come back at us later. So I wasn't surprised when I heard your your boy Bill Gates come out talking about the Marburg virus. For those who don't know what the Marburg virus is, it is a hemorrhagic fever. It is the parent or the grandparent of the Ebola virus. I learned about the Marburg virus years ago when I started, when we had the last Ebola outbreak, because I wanted to know the history of Ebola. If you know anything about Ebola, it has about a 28-day gestation period, 28 days from start to finish. If you make it past the 28 days, you might live. But in that 28 days, that's when, you know, the organs start to liquefy and blood starts coming out of orifices and all that stuff. Ebola, you know, Ebola is an unforgiving disease and most people don't make it through Ebola. The first Ebola outbreak was in 1975 in Zaire. That's the first one that we know about, right? And when you kind of go back and, and do the history of Ebola, that's when you realize eh, it was probably a bioweapon because... 
one Ebola is named for um, a river in the Congo, the, the Ebola River, right? People were going to Yambuku Mission Hospital. So it's a mission hospital back in those days in colonial Africa, because this is a, co a colonized nation under Belgium, I believe. And so they're going to the mission hospitals and the nurses would give them jabs of chloroquine. And it's so ironic that it's even chloroquine. This is how I know what chloroquine was in the first place too, because I was studying the Ebola virus. So they'd go in there, get a shot of chloroquine to, uh, because they had symptoms of malaria, get the chloroquine shot, maybe stay for a night at the hospital, then carry on. So as people were coming in, getting these shots, and mind you, this is the time when in colonial Africa, they would jab several people with the same needle. When the World Health Organization finally came in and did their fact-finding and research, it was very clear that the infections began in Yambuku Mission Hospital. Many patients died from there. Most of the patients, all the patients, um, the patient zeros, if you will, came from or came through Yambuku Mission Hospital. The nurses who treated them, these were the nuns, the sisters who treated the people all died. So, you know, dead men tell no tales or like the episode says, dead scientists tell no tales. And the people who were infected with Ebola in Yambuku Mission Hospital, they traveled, you know, maybe 13 days on these highways, walking on these highways, traveled maybe 13, 15 days to, I can't remember what the city, um, Kinshasa, traveled to Kinshasa, started infecting friends and family members who had never encountered this disease before, okay? So all that to say, the thing with Ebola is, and this is why I'm convinced it is a bioweapon, because with Ebola, it it's not like you can have asymptomatic Ebola people walking around spreading Ebola. No, nah, it doesn't work like that. You got to have a population, a continuous population of people who are infected with Ebola, and it is clear that they are infected, and they have to spread that to someone else. Listen, in order, like, Ebola doesn't just pop up. It's not like the flu, you know? which comes around every year, right? That used to come around every year before COVID, right? But Ebola is one of those diseases you have to have a population. Basically, you have to have at least one person every 28 days infecting someone else with Ebola. Listen to just listen to this, okay? <laughs> you got to have at least one person every day infecting another person with Ebola. And maybe one of those people down the line is eventually going to infect a whole bunch of people and then you have an outbreak. So how do you have spontaneous outbreaks of Ebola in 1975, 1994, and 2014? That shit makes no sense if you know how Ebola works. But this is what they fed us. They said that Ebola popped up. I think it was 2014, right? That was the year. 2014, Ebola just pops out of nowhere. That shit was suspect in the first place. Clearly, somebody dropped Ebola somewhere. And that's how we had an outbreak, okay? All that to say... That's how, so when they talk about the Marburg virus, that's how I learned about the Marburg virus because I learned that the Marburg virus, the Ebola, the closest virus to Ebola is the Marburg virus. 
Marburg virus, they were learning how to weaponize it. And it, it popped up in like, a, I think in Germany and Czech Republic and maybe in South Africa in the 1960s and then disappeared, right? Russians were learning how to weaponize it. And then boom, 1975, there's an Ebola outbreak, hemorrhagic fever, okay? So again, why I think it's interesting how now they're talking about the Marburg virus. So want to go, this is from Gavi, the Vaccine Alliance. If you know anything about Gavi, these are the people who are affiliated with Bill Gates. These are the people who were crippling Indian children, boys and girls, especially young girls with their, um, I believe it was with their oral polio vaccine. Hundreds of thousands of girls and, and Indians have been crippled. I heard that, you know, they, they want Bill Gates' head on a platter in India. I haven't been able to confirm that, but it sounds great. So this is from Gavi now, right? Bill Gates is uh, affiliated. The next pandemic, Marburg, 22 April 2021 by Priya Joy. All right. So you already late. What do we always say? Peep the propaganda, ladies and gentlemen. Listen, if you just peep the propaganda, then you know where we are headed. All right. This is from April 2021. A deadly cousin of Ebola, Marburg, can kill nine out of 10 people it infects. And international travel has taken it from Africa to Europe twice in the past 40 years. Will increasing globalization make this virus more likely to erupt around the world? In August 1967, a cluster of patients in Marburg and Frankfurt in Germany and in Belgrade, then Yugoslavia, now Serbia, began showing symptoms of an infectious disease, a high fever, chills, muscle ache, and vomiting. The patients worsened over the next few days until they began bleeding from every orifice in their body, including needle puncture wounds. In total, 31 people died. (sighs) Three months after this outbreak, Virologists in Marburg had discovered the first phylovirus, a cousin of the equally deadly Ebola virus. The virus, the virus had been carried by infected African green monkeys from Uganda. Pause. As I was studying Ebola and the initial emergence of Ebola, that's when I learned that the green monkey, as they talk about the green monkey, the green monkey is a monkey that is used for uh, biological and viral studies, okay? The green monkey. So if if it's uh, carried by infected African green monkeys from Uganda, that's because those green monkeys were being used for a biological experimentation. Just something to think about, okay? Avoid handling or eating bush meat is also critical to avoid any potential infection that could spread from animals, okay? After this first sighting, the virus was then mostly seen in African countries in bat-infested caves or mines. About 40 years later, however, the virus reemerged in Europe through a traveler returning to the Netherlands from a trip to Uganda where she had been visiting caves. The largest known outbreak of Marburg virus in Angola in 2004 infected over 250 people and had a 90% fatality rate. You see? (laughs) Sophia, (laughs) you're you're getting ahead of us right now, okay? (laughs) I ain't even going to say, if people, if you are in the chat and you're reading it, then just read what she said. (laughs) We didn't get to that yet. 
<laughs> but you see where I'm heading with this conversation. Sophia, this is why we say peep the propaganda, okay? We gotta first set it up. Set it up first, okay? So Marburg virus can persist in the eyes and testes of people who have recovered. And in pregnant women, it can persist in the placenta and amniotic fluid as well as breast milk. Now, I'm going to make a prediction. I don't want to call it a prediction, but let's just say if and when they decide to unleash this Marburg virus on the population, just remember this part. Marburg virus can persist in the eyes and testes of people who have recovered. And in pregnant women, it can persist in the placenta and amniotic fluid as well as breast milk. I wouldn't be surprised if they tried to pull what they tried to pull with Zika back in 2015, right? Back when Zika virus hit in 2015. And it's fucking horrible how these babies were coming out with the uh, microcephaly, with the tiny heads. Right. And they blamed it on Zika virus, but it might have actually been from some chemicals that they were spraying in those areas prior to so-called Zika outbreak. That's neither here nor there. Look it up for yourself. But. When that happened, you know, the, the they spread the propaganda that, oh, women should stop having babies for three years because of Zika virus. Women should stop having babies for three years, 2015 to 2018. They wanted women on earth to stop having babies so that they could, you know, that the babies wouldn't come out with microcephaly. All right. I'm going to read this, this sentence again. Just remember this. Sophia, I know you'll remember this. Marburg virus can persist in the eyes and testes of people who have recovered and in pregnant women, it can persist in the placenta and amniotic fluid as well as breast milk. This can be extremely dangerous. In early 2021, there were reports that Ebola, closely related to Marburg, could lay dormant in people only to emerge many months after an epidemic had ended, triggering another outbreak. Okay, so you, you already see where they're going with this conversation now. Now they're telling us that Ebola can lay dormant in a motherfucker and then pop up later. Is that a fact? Can that really happen? Maybe it can happen. I don't know. I never heard about that till now. But Gavi, we know that Gavi has a horrible track record. All right. Disease, Marburg. Where is it circulating? Most outbreaks have been in Africa with cases reported in Angola, the Democratic Republic of Congo, Kenya, South Africa, Uganda, and Zimbabwe. However, there have been outbreaks in Europe and the USA. Pandemic threat. As Marburg virus can spread from human to human through contact of bodily fluids, much like Ebola, as outbreaks in Europe and the U.S. have already shown increasing the globalization and international travel mean that the risk of for global spread is high, especially when the incubation period could be up to three weeks. This could be disastrous given its high death rate. Now, pause. In 2014... Fort Monmouth in New Jersey, they said that that's going to be one of the um, quarantine facilities for people coming back from Ebola countries, okay? Country, countries that uh, may have been afflicted by Ebola. So basically all flights coming from West Africa, and I don't know if this is still a thing, but flights coming back from West Africa would be uh, directed to Newark International Airport. From there, people, if they 
were in contact with people from with Ebola symptoms or if they had come from a country that had, had Ebola, they would be forced to quarantine at Fort Monmouth for 14 days, 28 days, just to make sure they didn't develop signs of Ebola. Ladies and gentlemen, do you see where this is headed, okay? Peep game, peep the propaganda. Because now we have the mechanism and the framework to actually do this. How is it spread? The Egyptian rosette fruit bats, always the fucking bats, right? The Egyptian rosette fruit bats often harbor the virus. African green monkeys have in the past spread the virus to people in Uganda, but pigs can also become infected and can be source be a source of infection. Marburg virus is spread through direct contact through broken skin or mucous membranes with the blood, secretions, organs, or other bodily flu fluids of infected people, and also through any materials such as bedding that have been contaminated with the infected fluids. As a result, health workers have often become infected by treating patients with Marburg virus. Burial ceremonies in which people have direct contact with the body can also drive the spread of the virus. You know, I could keep going on. The incubation period, the incubation varies from as short as two days to up to 21 days, though some studies have suggested the virus can incubate for as long as 26 days. So when it comes to quarantine, they will quarantine people for at least a month, for at least 31 days. 30 days, 31 days, just to make sure they don't have Marburg virus when it comes to this country. If they decide to release this as a pandemic in the United States, they will quarantine people. Because look, Marburg, now, this is the thing, and this is why I've been saying that I don't believe that COVID is the big one. Because COVID... Um, Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Sophia said they've been setting up the infrastructure for biowarfare. Exactly. I don't this is why I don't believe COVID is the big one, because COVID. Is too elusive. It's too it's too vague. It's um. Uh, I mean, symptoms, this ain't any symptoms are COVID symptoms. You know, if you have a stuffy nose, if your foot hurts, it, it, you know what I mean? Anything that COVID, oh, you have COVID, right? And then the, the bogus ass PCR test. There are people who are being told that they are infected with COVID when they don't have an infection because of the PCR test and the false positives. Go back and check out the false positive politics episode, ladies and gentlemen. I hope y'all are writing stuff down right now. Go check out our episodes, False Positive Politics. I think we have three of them at this point. See what I'm talking about. PCR test is bullshit. It was never meant to um, test for an active infection. And it's being used to drive this, um, this pandemic narrative. Okay? False positive politics. But Marburg or Ebola, that's a whole different situation right there. You're going to know if a motherfucker has Ebola, okay? There's no questions if someone has Ebola or Marburg virus. So incubation period, 21 days, 26 days, but the government will probably say 31 days. And with something as serious as that, trust me, you want a motherfucker quarantined, okay? Yeah, and uh, it's a whole different shit. That's a whole different level, and we're not there yet. But if if people start to wake up a little too much, <laughs> then they will take it there, okay? I promise you they will take it there. The symptoms. 
Marburg virus begins with a fever, severe headache, and muscle pains. Sounds like the flu, common cold. This is often followed by watery diarrhea, stomach pain, nausea, and vomiting, accompanied by extreme exhaustion and lethargy. So, you know, people, I mean, people have some of this stuff right now. People might have one of these fever. You don't know how many people I'm hearing who have extreme exhaustion and, and lethargy right now, okay? On some regular shit. That's a whole other topic because I, you know, why are so many people saying that they feel lethargic and exhausted right now? Could be mental exhaustion. Could be because of the frequencies that are being blasted out there. Could be something in the food, in the water. But I've been hearing a lot, a lot of people explain how, how exhausted they feel right now. Okay, just going to leave that right there. But these are some of the symptoms of Marburg virus. Many people go on to develop severe viral hemorrhagic fever and in severe cases have blood in their vomit and feces and may bleed from their nose, gums, and vagina. The onslaught of the virus is so extreme that most people die eight to nine days after infection, often because of extreme loss of blood. Okay? Ooh, diagnosis. Uh. Thank you, Sophia. Sophia says everyone is saying this and people feeling dizzy too. Thank you. What is going on right now? And, and something I love to shout out to super producer Cindy Ashby. Something she always says is that if we don't talk about these things, then we wouldn't know what other people are going through. If people aren't saying, oh, I'm exhausted, I'm feeling dizzy, then someone else say, oh, shit, I'm feeling dizzy too. Hey, I'm feeling exhausted too. But if we're not having these conversations with each other, then we wouldn't know that other people are experiencing these things. This is why it's so important. Oh, shit. Oh, here we go. I wasn't even planning on reading this whole thing, but apparently it's that important right now. Diagnosis. Marburg can be difficult to distinguish clinically from other diseases, such as malaria, typhoid fever, meningitis, and other viral hemorrhagic fevers. Diagnosis can be confirmed using techniques that detect the presence of immune response to the virus, such as antibody capture, enzyme-linked immunosor immunosorbent assay, ELISA, or the presence of virus in people presenting with symptoms via antigen capture detection tests, reverse transcriptase polymerase chain reaction tests, RT-PCR, assay, or virus isolation by cell culture. Virus isolation by cell culture, ladies and gentlemen. But I think in this situation, the RT-PCR test, I mean, you know, it can tell you if you have the virus in you or if you've been exposed to the virus. But it's it's Marburg virus, motherfucker. Like, if you're bleeding out of your asshole, <laughs> you just say, and, you, and that's not normal for you, then you're going to know something's wrong. And this is the type of disease where you don't need a PCR test to tell you if you're sick with it. You're, something's fucked up when you start bleeding out of your orifices, okay? It's not like what we're dealing with with COVID, but just like Sophia said, just like we've been saying, the infrastructure has been set up for bio warfare, okay? That infrastructure is set up. They can just fill in the blanks at this point, fill in the gap, whatever they want to put in there at this point, and they have the response. They have the framework set up, and this time they have the motherfuckers to kick in doors. Did y'all see that movie, um, Songbird? If you saw the movie Songbird, then you've seen the, the reality that they want to create for us at this point, okay? They want to create that, you know, everybody inside the house. Uh, the fear, the lockdown, the martial law, 
that's what they want to create for us. If you didn't see Songbird, I'm gonna tell you right now, it's not a really good movie. It's like an advertisement for 2023, right? It's COVID 23. That's what it's about. It's about it's about COVID 23. So I don't know. I can't remember what year that's supposed to be, but they're fighting COVID 23 in the movie Songbird. Okay, so that's the plan that they want to put into effect for next year if they have their way by next year, if they have their way. So they, that and, you know, this is the jackboots. This is the kicking in the doors. This is if you cough, the motherfuckers are kicking in your doors. You know, this is if you're out past curfew, motherfuckers are dragging you away. They don't care. This is the authoritarian state that they want to create. Doesn't mean that they're going to get it, but they're going to try their damnness to get it, especially since they're losing power right now. Okay. Um, however, often none of these diagnostic tools are available in the countries with the highest risk of Marburg outbreaks. In addition to having the diagnostic test available, countries need to have laboratories that can ensure maximum biological containment conditions due to the fact that the samples are an extreme biohazard risk. Okay. And they go on to vaccines. Are there vaccines for the treatment? How could we lower the risk of it becoming a pandemic? I'm just going to read this because might as well, right? Since Marburg virus can spread between people, extremely stringent infection control measures are needed to avoid people being in any contact with each other, to ensure any laboratory samples are disposed of carefully, and to ensure safe burial procedures. Avoid handling or eating bush meat is also critical to avoid any potential infection that can spread from animals. International travel is a major risk factor for the spread of Marburg virus beyond Africa and rapid diagnostics to ensure that cases are picked up before people carry the virus to other countries will be important. Okay, that's the Marburg virus, folks. Now, I just want to check out this cocksucker real quick because I know I saw something about Bill Gates talking about the Marburg virus. Bill Gates Gavi article. Okay. Now what Sophia was talking about. She brought it up. But I didn't want to go there just yet. But now it's time to go there, okay? So we we've laid it out for you, right? They say the next big pandemic is uh the Marburg virus. Right? That's what Gavi says. That's uh, Bill Gates, people. Okay. Go to the Daily Caller. This is from January 25th, 2022. So this is just uh, six days ago. Headline, CDC concerned about lab monkey exposure after Pennsylvania truck crash. Pennsylvania woman Michelle Fallon fell ill after short, shortly after helping at the scene of a crash in which a truck carrying 100 lab monkeys spilled crates full of primates across the highway, the Daily Mail reported. The truck carrying monkeys collided with a dump truck Friday in Montour County, Pennsylvania, the Daily Mail reported. Four monkeys went missing and were located by Saturday evening following a search by state troopers and wildlife officials in below freezing temperatures. A truck carrying 100 monkeys was involved in a crash in Pennsylvania, state police said, blah, blah, blah. Fallon developed a severe cough and pink eye the day after the incident and visited the emergency room, according to Daily Mail. 
she reportedly received a rabies injection and antiviral medication, and she is monitoring herself for further symptoms. Fallon said she walked in monkey feces and stuck her hand in the monkey crates after initially believing the crates had cats in them, the Daily Mail report. This is why you don't fuck around with and You got to look in and see what's in there first before you stick your hand in, lady. She reportedly received a rabies injection. Yes, yes, yes. She walked in monkey feces and she thought it was cats. Okay. The monkeys, which were, were reportedly shipped in from Mauritius the morning of the crash, were sent to a CDC-approved quarantine facility. Each monkey was believed to cost approximately $10,000, the Daily Mail reported. The monkey is reportedly in particularly high demand for experiments with COVID vaccines. Ugh. What? This article is funky right here. There's another article. We'll see if we get to that. I don't know if I'm going to get to that tonight. CDC asked those in contact with the monkeys, including Fallon, and the first responders to seek medical attention and contact the Pennsylvania Department of Health, the Daily Mail reported. Now, that's some crazy shit. So, again, peep the propaganda, ladies and gentlemen. This is laying out the narrative for, you know, if you've seen 12 monkeys, then you know what it is. You know, 12 monkeys, funny enough, that's a time travel story. They thought that the pandemic was started by the monkeys. No, they thought, yeah, they thought the pandemic was started by the organization, the 12 monkeys, but it wasn't. It was started by, I don't know, the government or some shit. They had some pathogen or it was some creepy ass lab worker who stole some pathogen and, you know, just watch the movie. If you've seen the movie Outbreak in the 90s, that was Ebola or some hemorrhagic fever that was started by a monkey that was let loose in, you know, some middle America town that faced lockdown and all kind of shit. So, this type of narrative has already been put into our minds at this point. It's been put into the minds, especially if you if you were around in the 90s. The, the narrative of the, the diseased monkey escaping has already been put into people's minds so that when this happened, so right, so we just read the article from Gavi talking about the Marburg virus over here. Then boom, what happens? A fucking truck full of monkeys crashes on the highway and four monkeys escape, okay? And in people's minds, those shits get married together. And now people, rightfully so, know that there could be some kind of outbreak. This lady got sick. She got, you know, some kind of flu-like symptoms and pink eye from the situation, right? They're telling that all first responders should go and get and seek medical attention after this, okay? There's a movie that came out. Saw it in 2019. It's called Unlocked. And Unlocked, this was the movie that really, again, it let me know that we might be headed for a pandemic. And Unlocked, you know, the kicker in that movie was that they wanted to infect a whole bunch of people, Americans and people from other countries, but especially Americans with this Marburg virus. And they were going to release it in a stadium at a soccer game. And when the Americans came back home to middle America, you know, because we talked about the incubation period, 21 to 26 days, they would be none the wiser. But then all of a sudden they start getting sick 
And now the government has to jump into response mode where they have to quarantine people and they have to quarantine the disease and they have to go into people's medical records and, you know, roll out vaccines and all this other stuff. And the purpose of this for, you know, the rogue agent was because he felt that, you know, our borders were too, we were too soft on our borders and we had too much freedom, basically. And that if we got hit with a bioweapon, that we wouldn't know how to respond. So in order to make the to, to bring the government up to speed, he would release a bioweapon so that the government learned how to respond. Sound familiar? And the hero of the story, she said, you're talking about medical martial law. I'm talking about a stress test. That's what the dude said. Still a decent movie. Unlocked. You should check it out. It used to be on, on Netflix until it started getting close to the pandemic. Now you can't find that shit. At least not in New York. So, you know, when I saw that movie, I knew that I was like, okay, yeah, we're headed for a pandemic. So I wasn't surprised when the shit popped off in 2020. For a lot of reasons. That was just one of many reasons I wasn't surprised. And, you know, I was telling as many people as I could, hey, guys, you check out Unlocked. I think you should check out this movie Unlocked, you know? The, this episode is called Dead Scientists Tell No Tales. It's for a reason, okay? Dead Scientists Tell No Tales. If you all remember back in 2020, John and I said, listen, you got to go back. You got to go back to the past now to figure out what's going on because we're going to come across so much fuckery. And this was before the Ministry of Truth was really ex showed themselves, you know, because we knew about the censorship and all this stuff. But the Ministry of Truth, a.k.a. fact checkers, didn't really expose themselves until deeper into 2020. Thank you, Sophia. Appreciate you. Yeah, we're about to go in now, OK? Because, you know, it took me an hour just to warm it up, just to set the scene. Now we're going into the meat of it because... Dead, dead scientists tell no tales. So going back, there's this article from Prepare for Change. And this article is from 2014, January 11th, 2014. Folks, I hope you took out your pens and papers and all that good stuff. Headline, sad. So many doctors, microbiologists, inventors, scientists, etc have their lives ended when most are just trying to help people. List of dead microbiologists. So there was a whole thing going on early on in, in this century and even throughout the, actually the 80s and 90s, which I didn't realize. A lot of microbiologists were being snubbed out. Okay, they were being killed. And it wasn't, you know, they didn't even make it look like an accident. These motherfuckers were being murdered by somebody or somebody's, okay? And for the longest time, folks like us were asking, why are they killing these scientists, you know? Now in 2022, you know, so I'll tell you how I even thought about this because I, I've been listening to these, um, these hearings, these panels from, you know, uh, Senator Ron Johnson where he's bringing up the scientists and see, Sophia, you just keep jumping ahead. You, you already know where I'm going with this conversation. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, again, I'm not going to say that comment out loud. Normally, I will. I'm not going to say it out loud right now because, yes, yes, Sophia, exactly. All right? 
but thank you. And don't stop. Don't stop. <laughs> so, you know, in 2022, we can understand why so many microbiologists were killed. Because, all right, so I was, I was, I've been, you know, looking at these panels and, and all these doctors and virologists coming out and, you know, putting their careers on the line to explain to us the mechanisms of what's going on with COVID, what's going on with the vaccines and why people are being injured by these vaccines. And they're giving us the science, you know? They, they always say, trust the science. Isn't that what these motherfuckers are saying? But when the science is presented, oh no, not that science, just the science we sell, tell you to trust. <laughs> Assholes. So as I'm listening to these things, I say, damn, I wonder what all those dead virologists and dead microbiologists would have to say about what's going on right now. So, you know, I, I did a little search before I came on the show tonight and I found, you know, a list of some of the dead microbiologists. There's over a hundred. This is from the article. So again, the headline, sad. So many good doctors, microbiologists, inventors, scientists, etc., had their lives ended when most are just trying to help people. List of dead microbiologists. This is from Prepare for Change, prepareforchange.net. This article is from, if you didn't catch it, this article is from January 11th, 2014. 2014, folks. I've known about these dead scientists since the early 2000s, okay? That's when I started hearing about them. Like 2001, 2002, that's when I started hearing about them. The world's top antivirus microbiologists are being killed off. By 2005, 40 were dead. Today, over 100. Many murdered, the rest died under very suspicious circumstances. It is known they were all working on highly sensitive or government-funded research projects tied to bioweapons and viral pandemics. Are these silenced whistleblowers who knew too much? Why didn't the mainstream media report in on these stories? Number 80, died 2006. Lee Jong-woo, Lee jo Lee Jong age 61, died May 22nd, 2006, after suffering a blood clot in the brain. Lee was spearheading the organization's fight against global threats from bird flu, AIDS, and other infectious diseases. WHO Director General since 2003, Lee was his country's top international official, okay? Leonard Strachonsky died January 8, 2005 after being hit on the head with a champagne bottle. He created, he, he specialized in creating microbes resistant to biological weapons. Strachonsky was found dead in his hotel room in Moscow where he'd come from Smolensk en route to the United States. Robert J. Lowell, age 66, died May 19, 2005 of multiple stab wounds. Despite his missing car and apparent credit card theft, homicide inspector Holly Perra said investigators aren't convinced that robbery was the sole motive for Lowell's killing. You know, um, chief of nuclear medicine at San Francisco General Hospital since 1990, served as a radiology professor at, at, at UCSF. He was past president of the American College of Nuclear Physicians and San Francisco Medical Society, served as editor of the Medical Society's journal, San Francisco Medicine, okay? Todd Kaupila, age 41, died May 8, 2005 of hemorrhagic pancreatitis 
at the Los Alamos Hospital, according to the state medical examiner's office. Now, if you know anything about Los Alamos Hospital, too, Los Alamos, that's where they had that uh, shootout with the reptilian aliens, okay? Los Alamos, Dulce and Los Alamos area, okay? Um, his death came two days after Capulia publicly rejoiced over news that the lab's director was leaving. Calpila was fired by director Pete Nanos on September 23rd, 2004, following a security scandal. Uh, Calpila said he was fired because he did not immediately return from a family vacation during a lab investigation into two classified computer disks that were thought to be missing. Let me see. The apparent security breach forced Nanos to shut down the lab for several weeks. Uh, Calpila said he was made a scapegoat. Oh, it says Calpilla accepted a job as a contractor at Betstone Nevada Corp, a research company that works with Los Alamos and other national laboratories. He was also working on the new scatter reduction grids and megavolt radiography, focused on metal plates or crossed grids to act to stop the scattered radiation while allowing the unscattered or direct rays to pass through with other scientists. And it tells the names of the other scientists. Yeah, they got him. David Banks, 55, died in a plane crash along with 14 others. He was known as an agro-genius, inventing the mosquito trap used for cattle. Uh, he was the principal scientist with Quarantine Authority, Biosecurity Australia, and heavily involved in protecting Australians from unwanted diseases and pests. Um, most of his work involved preventing potentially devastating diseases making their way into Australia. Dr. Douglas James Passaro from, died from unknown cause. He was a brilliant epidemiologist who wanted to unlock the secrets of a spiral-shaped bacteria that caused a stomach disease. He was a professor who challenged his students with real-life exercise in bioterrorism. Again, he died in 2005. Jita Angara, age 43, died February 8, 2005. This formerly missing chemist was found in Totowa, New Jersey, water treatment plant's tank. She was found in a water tank in Jersey. I remember hearing about this one. Angara, 43, of Homedale, was last seen on the night of February 8th doing water quality tests at the Passaic Valley Water Commission plant in Totowa, where she worked for 12 years. Divers found her body in a 35-foot deep sump, opening at the bottom of one of the empty tanks. Investigators are treating Angara's death as a possible homicide, okay? So, I mean, who knows what she might have found in the water in New Jersey. But when I did, you know, and you can, um, there's a couple websites you can go to where you can look at your water quality. I got to go back and look at what the actual website is. But I looked at it for New York City, for my zip code, and which is all of New York City. That shit is horrible. There's so many toxins and uh, what do you call it? Um, oh, man, just, uh, just fucking anti-corrosives and all kind of shit. It's not even talking about the fluoride and the chlorine. Like there's so many chemicals in the water, so many carcinogenic chemicals, so many chemicals that when you couple them together, they create carcinogens. Okay. Oh yeah. You remember the water tank one? That shit was crazy, right? Yeah. So Jung H. M. Died January 7, 2005. Korean Jung H. M. Died of multiple stab wounds to the chest 
before firefighters found his body in the trunk of a burning car on the third level of the Maryland Avenue garage. They stabbed this man in the chest, multiple stab wounds, then threw him in a burning car. Okay. Retired research assistant professor at the University of Missouri, Columbia, and primarily a protein chemist, okay? MUPD, with the assistance of the Columbia Police Department and Columbia Fire Department, conducting a death investigation of the incident. They had talked about a person of interest wearing some type of mask, blah, blah, blah. He was, M was primarily a protein chemist, and he was a researcher in the field, okay? So, Darwin Kenneth Vest, born April 22, 1951, was an internationally renowned entomologist, expert on the hobo spiders and other poisonous spiders and snakes. Darwin appeared in the early morning hours of June 3rd, 1999, while walking in downtown Idaho Falls. The family believes foul play was involved in his disappearance. The celebration of Darwin's life, da da da, he was declared legally dead. The first week of March 2004, and now the family is in the process of obtaining restraining orders against several companies who saw fit to use his name in photos without permission. Um, hmm. Yeah, Tom Thorne, age 64. Oh, and... Beth Williams, 53, two wildlife scientists, husband and wife, wildlife veterinarians who were nationally prominent experts on chronic wasting disease and brucellosis were killed in a snowy weather crash on US 287 in Northern Colorado. Taleb Ibrahim al-Daher died December 21st, 2004. Iraq nuclear scientist was shot dead north of Baghdad by unknown gunmen. John R. Lamontagne, Died November 2nd, 2004. Died while in Mexico. No cause stated. Later diagnosed as pulmonary embolism. PhD, head of the U.S. Infectious Disease Unit under Tommy Thompson. Now, this is interesting. Was NIAID deputy director. That means he worked with your boy Fauci. Okay. Was NIAID deputy director. Expert in AIDS program work and microbiology and infectious diseases. Okay. Matthew Allison, age 32, he was a young man, 2004. Fatal explosion of a car parked at an Osceola County, Florida Walmart store. They blew this motherfucker up at Walmart in Florida. It was no accident. Local 6 News has learned. Found inside a burned car. Witnesses said the man left the store at about 11 p.m. and entered his Ford Taurus car when it exploded. Investigators said they found a Duraflame log and propane canisters on the front passenger seat. Allison had a college degree in molecular biology and biotechnology. Molecular biology and biotechnology. So look at where we are now because we are definitely in the age of biotechnology and biotech firms. All this, um, this M these mRNA vaccines, this is biotechnology right here, okay? So imagine what Dr. Allison or my, my Matthew Allison would have to say about what's going on right now, okay? He's a biotech expert. Mohammed Toki Hussein Al-Talakani, age 40, died September 5th, 2004. Iraqi nuclear scientists were shot dead in 
Mamudia, south of Baghdad. He was a practicing nuclear physicist since 1984. Professor John Clark died August 12, 2004. Found hanged in his holiday home. An expert, now peep game, again, peep game. An expert in animal science and biotechnology where he developed techniques for the genetic modification of livestock. This work paved the way for the birth in 1996 of Dolly the sheep, the first animal to have been cloned from an adult, head of the science lab which created Dolly the sheep. Professor Clark led the Roslyn Institute in Midlothian, one of the world's leading animal biotechnology research centers. So we're in the age right now where we're, we're told that we're dealing with a, um, a zoonotic disease, right? A disease that came from bats and somehow transferred to humans. What do you think the good Dr. John Clark, Professor John Clark, would have to say about this, okay? Something to think about. Dr. John Badway, July 21st, a lot of, lot of scientists in 2004, too. Scientist and accidental politician when he opposed disposal of sewage waste program of exposing humans to sludge. Ugh. Suddenly developed pneumonia-like symptoms and died in two weeks. Biochemist at Harvard Medical School specializing in infectious diseases. Folks, you cannot make this shit up. Doctor, and, and for someone to go out from pneumonia, especially someone with his credentials and his access to probably the best care in the world to die of pneumonia. Oh, Dr. Basem al Madures, Mudares. July 21st, 2004. A lot of people, how many people died on July 21st, 2004? There's like some um, Mission Impossible type shit, you know? We have a whole bunch of operators going out and, and taking these people out on the same day. Dr. Basem al-Mudares, mutilated body was found in the city of Samara, Iraq. He was a PhD chemist and had been tortured before being killed. He was a drug company worker who had a chemistry doctorate. Professor Stephen Tabit, July 6, 2004, died from an unknown illness. Uh, associate professor and epidemiologist at University of Washington, a world-renowned HIV doctor and researcher who worked with HIV patients in, the, patients in a vaccine clinical trial for the HIV vaccine trials network. One thing that we may, you may or may not know about the uh, HIV vaccine is that they were uh, entertaining and I think experimenting with using a coronavirus as the vector to um, for the HIV vaccine. So they were going to use a coronavirus in order to treat HIV patients. It's a little fun fact for you right there. Larry Bustard died July 2nd, 2004. He was a San Sandia scientist in the Department of Energy who helped develop the foam spray to clean up congressional buildings and media sites during the anthrax scare in 2001. He worked at Sandia National Laboratories in Albuquerque. As an expert in bioterrorism, his team came up with a new technology used against biological and chemical agents. Let me see, nuclear physicist, poison, plane crash, Dr. Paul Norman, 
from Salisbury, Wiltshire, killed when the single engine Cessna 206 he was piloting crashed in Devon. He's an expert in chemical and biological weapons. Um, yeah, they, they got him. Um, Dr. Asefa Tulu. June 24, 2004, Dr. Tulu joined the health department in 1997, served for five years as the country's lone epidemiologist. He was charged with tracking the health of the county, including the spread of diseases such as syphilis, AIDS, and measles. He also designed a system for detecting bioterrorism attack involving viruses or bacterial agents. Tulu often coordinated efforts to address major health concerns in Dallas County, such as the West Nile virus outbreaks of the past few years, Worked with the media to inform the public. Found face down dead in his office, the Dallas County epidemiologist died of a hemorrhagic stroke. And there's a lot more. We're not going to read all those, but just to give you an idea of what I'm talking about, dead scientists tell no tales. What would all these scientists, if they could opine on what we're experiencing right now, what would they have to say? about this pandemic and about this outbreak and about the vaccine in the end of the day. Would they be easy to compromise? Um, right now we have thousands, thousands of scientists who are when doctors, physicians who are willing to speak out. Thousands, hundreds of thousands of nurses. Let's say thousands of nurses who are willing to speak out across the world. Might be hundreds of thousands, I don't know, but at least thousands of nurses who are who are working frontline, who were working frontline until they were fired, who are willing to speak out. We have lawyers who are willing to speak out. So imagine you have these scientists and researchers adding their expertise to the fold, what they could tell us about what's going on right now. Fast forward, October 13, 2017, Sophia, headline, this is from Honey Colony, headline, mysterious holistic doctor deaths are on the rise. The mysterious string of holistic doctor deaths continues. In the early morning of July 28th, holistic doctor Glenn Scarpelli, 53, and his wife Patricia, 50, allegedly jumped to their desk together from a ninth floor office building in Manhattan. Their holistic clinic located between Madison and Park Avenue, a few blocks from the Empire State Building, was where the remains of their bodies were found. Both were discovered with typed suicide notes in a plastic baggie in their pocket, and they strangely left their two children, Joseph 19 and Isabella 20, behind in the building. The alleged reasons behind their supposed suicide have been evolving quickly from the potential repeal of quote-unquote Obamacare to rising health care costs and debts. Details have been sketchy and there have been numerous aspects of the story that have been called into question, including the fact that they weirdly left type suicide notes in the mainstream media confusion over the reason for their suicide. The story seemed to change numerous times, as Aaron Elizabeth pointed out. You see... The latest in a string of deaths. Unfortunately, this is not the first such incident. A few months back, Dr. Glenn Lane Towery was reported missing after he failed to return up to his chiropractic practice in Victoria, Texas. According to Health Nut News, he had, quote, an impressive resume as a chiropractor and an acupuncturist with advanced training well beyond that, end quote. And it was extremely out of character for him to have missed appointments he had scheduled. 
Dr. Towery is still reported missing, although police have been following news le new leads after his truck was discovered abandoned in Victoria County in May 2017. The string of mysterious, mysterious deaths of holistic and alternative doctors all began in 2015 with the death of Dr. Jeffrey Bradstreet, a renowned autism doctor and researcher. Now, Dr. Bradstreet, I remember listening to Dr. Uh, Judy Mikovits talk about him. Judy Mikovits, you know, she's um she, she's a she's a giant right now and she's um she wrote the book um Plague of Corruption and she talks about, you know, the discovery of the XMRV, the mouse retrovirus and how the XMRV might play a role in autism because um children who are coming up with autism they apparently their mothers have XMRV. XMRV is a, is a rodent retrovirus. And it's, um, according to Dr. Mikovits, it might be responsible for chronic fatigue syndrome and prostate cancer. And it is heavily in the blood supply, the U.S. blood supply. And being a retrovirus, now this is an important part. One of the things being a retrovirus, which means... Um, if it's present in the body, that means reverse transcriptase is in the body. And if reverse transcriptase is in the body, then technically that means something like um, these shots that people are receiving. If reverse transcriptase is in the body, that allows, that helps viruses, foreign viruses or foreign DNA or mRNA to kind of integrate itself into the human DNA so that it does it can play a role like um like how they call HIV or a HIV a retrovirus right because it uses the re reverse transcriptase to then become a part of the genome of the host in order to replicate that way so it like it becomes a part of the host okay so that's what they're saying with XMRV. This is what Dr. Mikovits um, discovered. And she was, um, from what I understand, she knew Dr. Bradstreet. The reason I brought her up, Dr. Mikovits, she was asked to come to some kind of lecture or something in another country, uh, somewhere in the Middle East. And, you know, she was going to go. The, the details were kind of sketchy. The last minute, someone told her, one of her colleagues, like, hey, listen, don't go. If you go, then you're not coming back, okay? And she's, she says that she's lucky she didn't go because she probably, something probably would have happened to her. Dr. Bradstreet, they got him. He was um, a renowned autism doctor, and re autism doctor and researcher. He was found in a river with a gunshot wound to the chest. Initially, authorities thought his death was a suicide. What kind of... I don't want to say what kind. Most people, when they shoot themselves, I don't think they're going to shoot themselves in the chest. But maybe I heard of a, I know someone who shot himself in the chest, though. So, I, you know, maybe he, he lived, though. But normally you don't hear about that shit. Initially, authorities thought that his death was a suicide. However, the family and a number of autism and holistic practitioners claimed that Dr. Bradstreet was murdered, that the wound was not self-inflicted. Health Nut News has reported on around 60 suspicious deaths over the past two years. We spoke to Erin Elizabeth from Health Nut News to see whether she felt that there was any connection between the deaths. 
This is from Aaron Elizabeth. I've maintained in nearly all my 100 plus articles that I have no idea whether there is a connection or not. I've done my best to stay neutral on this. And while the death of so many friends and colleagues, of Dr. Marcola and mine definitely seems suspicious, I just have no definitive proof they are all connected, only partially connected or not at all. I hope one day we find out for certain. So two doctors we want to add to that. Dr. Sebi died under mysterious circumstances, you know, and, and Dr. Sebi for me, he's one of the reasons that I even got into what I'm into now. Because when I heard about Dr. Sebi, it was way before YouTube. It was early 2000, 2001. I just heard about this mysterious black man who cured AIDS using herbs. And now that that right there was enough for me as a young buck to want to learn. And, you know, and, and he didn't have any books published that I knew about at the time. And so I wanted to find a way to learn because I said, okay, if this man was able to do it, then I could do it and other people could do it. And so I started to educate myself. One of my huge influences, even before I knew anything about him, just the myth of him alone was enough to inspire me and to be a catalyst for me to want to learn more about the health in the human body. You know, so Dr. Sebi, <coughs> for him to go out the way he went out, to me, it was murder. I would love to speak to, you know, some of his people, maybe his family members and find out what they have to say or just hear. Maybe they put out a statement to say what they think. Another one who was a huge influence for me, who recently transitioned to the ancestors, was Dr. Africa, Dr. Laila Africa. That was another one. I was reading Dr. Africa's books just the same way. It was actually so hearing about Dr. Sebi, learning about it, and then coming in contact with Dr. Africa's book and Queen Afua's book. They're both, they both had the little green book. The one, those are the first um, books that I had come across in, in early 2001. No, 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 excuse me, mid-2001, 2002. And I started reading those just to understand, you know, um, I think it's African Holistic Health and Heal Thyself from Queen Afua. Dr. Africa transitioned last year, I believe it was around this time last year, and I got to speak with one of my elders who was uh, friends with him, and you know, this elder says that Dr. Africa died under mysterious circumstances. They can't even get a definitive cause of death for Dr. Africa, you know? So they're, they're taking out these holistic doctors, and... We know why at this point, because, and, and even look at what happened to Nipsey Hussle. You know, Nipsey Hussle's not a doctor. They took him out in 2018. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And Delbert Blair. That was another one. Delbert Blair. Just his knowledge was a huge influence on me. Um, you know, throughout probably from like, what was it like maybe 07 on, something like that. Dr. B Dr. Uh, Dr. Blair, that was another one. I don't know if Dr. Blair died under mysterious circumstances. Another one who was a huge influence on me from, again, from 2001, that same period, was um, Dr. Francis Cress Wilson. That was another one, Dr. Francis Cress Wilson, you know? When I got to college, my first, you know, it was actually my first day of college. It was my first day or definitely my first week of college because, um, 
you know, a friend of the family was down there. He was actually, I think his mother went to my church or something. I don't even know. She said, listen, my son goes to this college. When you get down there, you're going to get in contact with him. So you have some peoples down there. Because I was in Virginia. He picked me up. My man, listen, rolled up a blunt, smoking a blunt, and he put Francis Crest Wilson down in front of me. He said, here you go, my brother. What's this? The ISIS papers. Time to educate yourself. So this is, you know, so, it, and this is the type of love that I received for, as, you know, a young buck in my early days of knowledge of self. Where, yeah, it wasn't just about going and smoking weed. Yeah, you can smoke this weed, but you're going to get this knowledge too, young man. You know, Dr. Francis Cresswellen, that's Cresswellen, rest in power. That's another one that transitioned recently. And, you know, you hear rumors that Dr. Wilson, the, um, the, uh, the, the events surrounding her death were a little, you know, were uh, a little shaky. I believe it was right before a big conference, a big meeting of the minds. She was going down there. I can't remember if it was in D.C. or where it was, but I think either she was down there, but she passed. She passed before, you know, before she got to do her presentation, from what I remember. And so, you know, we, we've lost a lot of people in the last few years. And like I was saying with Nipsey Hussle, imagine Nipsey were around right now. They couldn't have let Nipsey survive till 2020. You kidding me? You think Nipsey would have gone along with what we're seeing right now? No, Nipsey is someone, you know, like Nipsey, I, I like Nipsey since I first heard his music. First time I heard his music was 09 or 2010, somewhere around there. And first time I heard him, I said, damn, he's going to be on the list for sure. And so when they finally got him, I wasn't so surprised. And when there was all this controversy and, you know, um, kind of disinformation and misinformation about what happened to him, I definitely knew it was some kind of cover up. And the more I learned about what he was doing out there, even after he died, the more I say, yeah, you know, they got him. And people try to say, oh, it was the pharmaceutical industry. It might have been the pharmaceutical industry. Might have been the pharmaceutical industry working with the LAPD, working with the DA of LA County, working with Central Intelligence and the FBI. Something that um people have brought up over the years I want to bring back because Mark, Mark Cornkey was talking about it. He talked about how, you know, as we move into this, this age of the American gulag and the American authoritarian state, part of that apparatus and the weaponization is the civilian, the civilian army. And the civilian army is largely going to be the gangs, the arming of the gangs, and then the direction of the gangs. You're going to have gang members who are kicking in people's doors and taking them out. You're going to have foreign foreign troops and foreign operatives kicking in doors and taking them out. That's the whole ski mask way thing, the whole thing with the masks. It's wild how we're wearing these masks now, you know, and how it's being normalized. We're living in the ski mask way right now. Look at 
take you back to the New Zealand mosque shooting. John and I covered this. And even the articles, there were certain articles that we tried to access that had just been scrubbed from the internet. Soon after it too, which is weird. But they said that the gunman was driving around. You know, he did the shooting at the mosque. Then he was driving around with his mask on, basically, right? Whatever year this was, 18. I think it was tweet 18, 17, or 18. But at the same time, there was a training for some kind of uh, special ops guys down there. So special ops guys were driving around in civilian vehicles with masks and guns, right? At the same time, looking for this motherfucker. Who were those people? When I went to, because there was an article telling who they were, when I went to go see who they actually were, that article had been scrubbed from the internet. So, we're living in the age right now where there's a lot of mass people running around. One thing Mark Cornkey talked about was multi-jurisdictional task force, multi-jurisdictional task force. You know, we've talked about the Operation Gladio on this program several times. And the Operation Gladio, you know, I don't even have time to go into what that is right now. It, you go back, you could look it up, or you could go to past shows and see where we talk about Operation Gladio, folks. That is the Stay Behind Army. That is the Secret Army. That is in this country and all NATO nations, okay? Those are the people that are funded by the drug war, the, the drug trade, and the gun trade. Oh, wow. I don't even know why. this is. I don't even know why. I'm just going to read this real quick. January 31st, 2022. Woman who jumped from NYC high-rise identified as Miss USA 2019, Chelsea Christ. What the hell is going on? Oh, this just happened? Huh. The woman who leapt to her death from a midtown high. Because, you know, we were talking about, oh, man, Akai Becker. Ugh. Akai Becker, man. Yeah, he's. He, he was putting us on for a long time. And, you know, some people say that there might have been some foul play in the demise of Akai Becker. I'll leave it at that. Rest in power. Yeah, you got me with that one, Susie. Um, this is crazy. Ch Chelsea Christ, shortly before she jumped, Christ posted on her Instagram page, may this day bring you rest and peace. The 29 pageant winner and 30-year-old lawyer jumped from her luxury 60-story Orion building at 350 West 42nd Street around 7.15 a.m. and was found dead in the street below, sources said. Quote, in devastation and great sorrow, we share the passing of our beloved Ch Chesley, the former beauty queen's family said in a statement Sunday, quote, 
Her great light was one that inspired others around the world with her beauty and strength. She cared, she loved, she laughed, and she shined. Chesley embodied love and served others, whether through her work as an attorney fighting for social justice as Miss USA and as a host on Extra, end quote. Her family said, quote, but most importantly, as a daughter, sister, friend, mentor, and colleague, we know her impact will live on. Wow. The sister just leapt to her death. That's fucking insane. Because, you know, we were over here talking about these scientists and, you know, dying under these mysterious circumstances and all that. Oh, damn, that's crazy. Shit just happened earlier today. <sighs> Going back, so let's fuck my head up for a second. Cornkey was talking about these multi-jurisdictional task force, and I believe it was him that talked about, oh, man, I, w- I tried to find it earlier, but it's like a five-hour, five-and-a-half-hour talk that he gives but he mentioned something about the many rivers the many rivers it's like dealing with many paths many rivers lead to the ocean or something like that where there's many paths to the new world order or something like that but they all lead to the ocean you know there's many paths to get there something along those lines this is um let me see if i could pull these up because I don't know if y'all heard what's going on in New York right now, but these officers were gunned down the other day. And, you know, the new mayor, Eric Adams, he's former NYPD. So he's talking about bringing in this task force. And it's not some brand new idea, even though many people may think it is. But I want people to pay attention to what's going on right now with these multi-jurisdictional task forces because they're coming more out of the woodwork. They're coming more out of the shadows right now, okay? It's from January 26th from Eyewitness News. President Biden will visit NYC to talk combating gun violence. Guns Task Force holds meeting. New York City, with the recent uptick in violent crime investigation, in crime involving guns, Governor Kathy Hochul is working with other states to put a stop to it. New York, along with eight other northeastern states, are now part of the Interstate Task Force on Illegal Guns. Peep game. And Mayor Eric Adams took part virtually in the meeting Wednesday. And next week, he'll have a big meeting with President Joe Biden on combating gun violence. The White House says that on Thursday, February 3rd, the president will travel to New York City and join Adams to discuss the administration's comprehensive strategy to combat gun crime. Quote, I look forward to welcoming President Biden to New York City next week and sitting down to discuss how we can work collaboratively to end the scourge of gun violence we are seeing on New York City streets. End quote, Adams said, quote, the sea of violence comes from many rivers. And that's why my blueprint to end gun violence in New York City seeks to dam every river that feeds this greater crisis. Public safety is my administration's highest priority, and we welcome the opportunity to display to President Biden how federal and local governments can coordinate and support each other in this fight to keep New Yorkers safe, end quote. Meantime, Wednesday, Hochul hosted the task force meeting in person at the New York State Intelligence Center. The reason I say to look at this is because I think you can actually pull a lot of information from these um, 
these task force and task force meetings to find out the direction that they're headed. The task force includes some 50 law enforcement representatives from nine states in the Northeast working together to stop the flow of illegal guns in Hokel called the state's borders, quote unquote, porous. Quote, you think about guns illegally flowing in from the state of Pennsylvania, they have different gun laws, she said. We, quote, we are proud of the gun laws we have here in the state of New York, and that's why we know our problem is being caused from out-of-state guns, end quote. Yeah, that, thank you, Susie, that, that, she said, Susie said, that's code talk, that, that, that's code talk, that many rivers thing, yeah, it's code talk, exactly, they know what they're doing, and they know what they're talking about, okay, um, Look, Hochul called for, quote, interdiction efforts along our border of Pennsylvania, identifying the gun shows where people are purchasing guns, loading up a trunk and coming up I-81 or Route 90 into western New York, and the guns are ending up in our cities. That's the level of trafficking we are looking into. So now they're talking about our borders as if, you know, internet. No, they're talking about state borders here, okay? State borders. So they're talking about how do you... How do you build the infrastructure or disclose the infrastructure that, no, we're going to be able to stop cars coming from these gun shows, for instance, for example, going into Western New York? Look, they already know how they want to do it. Now they're telling us how they're going to do it. Okay. This isn't some new idea. Mark Cornkey, Mark from Michigan was talking about this shit in 1993, 1994. This is just a new phase of it. And, and Governor Hochul just got in there. But you, how is it that she just got in there, but then all these plans are already rolling out? No, this is like the problem, reaction, solution shit, okay? In my opinion, it was only a matter of time before some cops would get shot. And this was like off some like domestic violence stuff. They went to go see what was going on in this house, and these two officers were killed. And that shit is sad. It's sad when anybody gets killed. But... The one question that I'm constantly asking is, where are all these guns coming from? I don't believe that these guns are just coming from Pennsylvania and neighboring states. I believe that someone is making these firearms available. You know how many teenagers and children are being caught with guns, like real guns, in New York City? Shit makes no sense. How are they able to just, and ammunition? Like, There's no gun stores in New York. Where are they getting the bullets from? They have guns and they have the bullets for those guns, okay? There's something going on. Somebody is making those weapons available in New York right now. And in a pandemic, it's just like, okay, y'all remember when we were having the, the fireworks, right? The fireworks were going on every fucking night from like May until around July 4th. The fireworks were going off. You couldn't sleep. You knew like 8, 9 o'clock, the fireworks about to start. About 3, 4 in the morning, the fireworks are going to end, okay? I had a friend. Yeah. Yeah, Susie. That's right. The, um, Susie said, this is beyond bringing back, stop, and frisk. This is big. Little kids taking flicks with bangers in their laps leisurely. Yeah. This shit is crazy, you know? And... and um, Eric Adams, he, he definitely wants to bring back stop and frisk, you know, but he wants to do a humane stop and frisk. That, listen, that shit is unconstitutional, period. Two judges said that shit is unconstitutional. So what do you want to bring that back for? Because he's a police state type of motherfucker. Sidebar, 
I called his ass out years ago on this show because it was Eric Adams and somebody else. I can't remember who it was, but they said that they wanted to make, they wanted to pass a law in New York that if you wanted to get a firearm, you had to show like, um, what is it? Like five years of your social media history and then a year of your browser history. Like what? Nigga, what? You know, and now this dude is mayor. I remember that shit. You're going to have to go back and find that because that's in the past show. I don't know what we were talking about. It, I don't know what we were talking about. I don't know what the show was about. But we mentioned that in the show. So go find that out. But yeah, so we talked about So we knew that this dude, Eric Adams, has tyrannical tendencies already. All right? And he's a former N- N- NYPD. I feel that they they put these guns out here and it was only a matter of time before something happened that would draw enough attention. And look at this motherfucker. Jim Crow Joe is already getting on a plane to come to New York City. Was he already scheduled to come here or is he coming here in um, in light of recent events to come swing his little pecker around? You know, because. I mean, this, this is what did Rahm Emanuel say? Never let a good opportunity, never let a crisis go to waste. <laughs> Cocksucker. Um, yeah, this is just more rise of the Gestapo stuff. Uh, we knew that this was coming. And this is not to say that something shouldn't be done about gun violence. It's just that we already know what avenue they want to take. We already know that they want to be uh, more invasive and and obstruct people's lives even more. You want to get more into people's privacy. Um, I'm almost curious to see what kind of infrastructure they put up. You know, are, are they going to be putting up X-ray machines, something like that? Because they may already have X-rays up, but because of that pesky uh, Fourth Amendment, they can't admit that they uh <laughs> they've been using them in certain places. But if they're able to uh, convince the people that that's a priority, then that's what's going to happen. One thing, because there's so much, you know, to to touch on tonight. One thing I want to touch on before the night is over, before the show's over, is this truck protest. You see it going on in Canada right now, right? It's great. Having a truck protest, you know, the, the big rigs, but peep game and pay attention, folks. You're seeing that, that, you know, we're already having supply chain issues. People I know that work in finance, when I talk to them, I ask them, they say it's a shit show with the supply chain. I was just talking with someone in finance. She was telling me that the fucking debt clock, she was saying... <laughs> She was just saying that inflation is going crazy right now. If y'all looked at the price of food, I know y'all, y'all are eating. You see the price of food is going up, how much is going up. You know, some things are going up 40%, 17%, you know, crazy. Go to um, onthewakeupradio.com, onthewakeupradio.com to listen to the live broadcast, okay, ladies and gentlemen, because we're going to talk about this supply chain shit and the implications. Like I said, I've been talking to these folks and, you know, they were, um, this young lady was explaining to me, oh yeah, the inflation, the, the rate of inflation is crazy right now. She's just like, she, I was like, 
Where's the money going? I don't know where the money's going. <laughs> she said she doesn't know where the money's going, right? And, um, you know, I asked her if, if anybody does know where the money's going. And I didn't want to go too deep into it, but we know where the money's going or we have an idea where the money's going, right? Because we know that the Federal Reserve, I mean, I'm about to pull up this debt clock real quick and see where we're at. Because usdebtclock.org, boom. Yeah, national debt. I mean, where are we at right now? Total debt, interest paid. U.S. total debt right now, and I don't even know how this is a thing, but the um, U.S. debt is the total U.S. total debt, eighty-six trillion three hundred seventy-nine billion five hundred six million, and it goes up a hundred thousand. This thing is going now. The other day it was going up a hundred thousand. Uh, you know, almost every second. Now it's going up like almost $200,000 every second. Okay? $200,000 every second. So what the hell is that about? To me, this is what you call the free fall. US total debt 86 trillion 379 billion 511 million 512 million five six seven eight nine thirteen <laughs> that's how fast it goes up a million dollars where's my i don't even have my timer on me right now but this thing is going up a million dollars in less than a minute ready watch we're gonna count it again right 15 one two three four five six seven eight, nine, 16. That's how long it took for the U.S. total debt to go up a million dollars. Most Americans will never see one million dollars. Savings per family. You know how much savings per family? $18,097. $18,000. $18,000 is what the average U.S. family has saved. Personal debt per citizen, $63,961. This is, this is insane. Mm. I mean, where, where is interest on debt the interest you want 424 billion 131 million 255 8 9 260,000 that shit total interest on debt in the billions how are we going to pay off the interest the interest alone folks thieves in the temple by andre eglishan if you want to get an inkling of an idea of what's going on, this is a good way to a good book to start with because it's short.
Chapter six, paragovernmental organizations, the Council on Foreign Relations. The ultimate goal of the international bankers is total control of the wealth of the entire world. To begin coordinating this effort, Cecil Rhodes, who became fabulously wealthy by exploiting the people of South Africa, established a round table group in England. This group was established in America in 1921 and is known today as the Council on Foreign Relations. In his book, Rule by Secrecy, Jim Mars tells of the early plans for globalization, which created the need for an organization like the CFR to coordinate and carry out the free market ideological groundwork for the new world order. The council began as an outgrowth of a series of meetings conducted during World War I. In 1917, in New York, Colonel Edward Mandel House. Look up Colonel Mand Edward Mandel, M-A-N-D-E-L-L House. President Woodrow Wilson's confidential advisor had gathered about 100 prominent men to discuss the post-war world, dubbing themselves, quote-unquote, the inquiry. They made plans for a peace settlement, which eventually evolved into Wilson's 14 points, which he first presented to Congress on January 8, 1918. They were globalist in nature, calling for the removal of all economic barriers between nations, equality of trade conditions, and the formation of a general association of nations. Dominated by the Rockefellers, the Council on Foreign Relations is the most powerful group in America today. All of the key positions in the American government, including the presidency, are held by its members. The Council on Foreign Relations and its sister organization, the Trilateral Commission, created by former National Security Advisor Zbigniew Brzezinski and Dave Rockefeller, have been very useful to the Money Trust. Look, folks, um, this right here. Thieves in the Temple by Andre Eglishan. This book is jam-packed. He tells about the, the different central banks of the United States and North America. He talks about your man, Alexander Hamilton. Now, Alexander Hamilton was, you know, the, the play was cool, but he actually might have been an agent of the crown or the central bankers. Because what did he do is what he created a central bank in the United States. Another book that you should definitely check out, Creature from Jekyll Island. Now, this book is a little bit thicker than Thieves in the Temple, okay? Thieves in the Temple is kind of like the Cliff's Notes version of the Creature from Jekyll Island, and it, and it talks about it from a different perspective. Creature from Jekyll Island is so thick and dense, and I haven't even, I've just skimmed the surface of this book at this point. These are the type of books, you know, if, if for us to understand. Oh, look, funny. I just opened up to a secret agreement to get the U.S. into war. Yeah, I'm not going to read all this right now to you, but you definitely, definitely check. Uh, Thieves in the Temple, Andre Eglishon, and The Creature from Jekyll Island by... G. Edward Griffin, second look at the Federal Reserve. I mean, because I'm just looking at the debt clock right now, folks, and it's not looking good. It's like like our economy is literally in free fall. Free fall. Just drop it. One thing that caught my attention on the debt clock time machine, debt clock time machine. And this is something that they are calling the Budget Showdown 2026. 
And I think that's something that we should all pay attention to. Budget Showdown 2026, okay? Because this is telling us on this day in 2026, on January 31st, 2026, they're telling us if we continue on this trajectory, U.S. debt clock at current rates, U.S. national debt, $52 trillion. Congressional Butcher's Office, $31 trillion. U.S. national debt, $36 trillion. It's the OMB Office of Management and Budget. This shit, uh, I don't, you know, I'd have to look more into this, but I think this is just something that people should just check out in general. The U.S. Debt Clock.org. And then go to the Debt Clock Time Machine, which is in the top right corner, in the Budget Showdown 2026. I say that because, you know, we have the, and this is what I was talking about last week, I think, the Deagle projection for 2025, Deagle.com. You have to go back. You probably have to go to the archive.org and look at the Deagle.com, or is it Deagle.com? Yeah, Deagle.com website. And it says that, Go back to one from like 2014, 2015, because in there it says that by 2025, the U.S. will have an 80% reduction in population. By 2025, they were saying this in 2015. I heard about this around 2015, 16, but didn't really wrap my mind around what it was talking about, what Deagle.com was. But the Deagle projection, Deagle forecast, by 2025, you say that the U.S. will have 80% fewer people. Makes a lot more sense now. If you go to YouTube, you type in war 2025, you will see that these people are anticipating and looking forward to a big war in 2025. Australia is, the United States is, and uh, I believe the U.K. is as well. With whom are they planning on going to war in or by 2025. Shit, for all we know, it might be with the citizens of each of these countries. The governments, the world governments against the people, for all we know. 2025. Then another thing, and I'm not sure if I still have these articles up. Yeah, I do. This is NASA. Um, known uh, Deborah Tavares calls it the NASA war document. But it's called the, write it down, folks. Future Strategic Issues, Future Warfare, circa 2025. I'm going to read that again. Future Strategic Issues slash Future Warfare, circa 2025. Capabilities of the Enemy After Next, Ongoing Worldwide Technological Revolutions, Economic Trends, Potential Nature of Farther Term Warfare. This was published in July 2001. You know, anticipating war in 2025, the bots, Borgs, and humans welcome you to 20 to 2025 AD. This presentation, based on futures work for with USAF, that's the Air Force, USAF 2025, National Research Council, Army After Next, ACOM Joint Futures, SSG and the CNO, Australian DOD, that's interesting, Australian Department of Defense. NRO, DSB, 
DARPA, SBCCOM, DIA, all these acronyms, CIA, SDIC, um, or APL, ONA, SEALs, a lot of whole, a lot of acronyms over here. This presentation is meant to incite thought. Discussion is based in all cases upon existing data, trends, analyses, technologies, ergo, no pixie dust. Ain't no bullshit in this. I'm just going through the slides right now. Provides in some cases a somewhat broader view of, of a prospective developments and issues. Utilization application of 2025 plus projections. Inputs to future warfighting concepts, developments, enemy after next in blue. Inputs to new procurement decision, 15 plus years to produce 40 plus years in inventory. Quote unquote, heads up for Intel community, watches and warnings, inputs to DOD and R&D planning. This is, yo, this is from 2001. This is from uh, two months before 9-11. Quote unquote, going in assumptions. Politics can, does change overnight. Ergo, Russia, Iran, Iraq, Pakistan, etc. Potential capabilities is the future warfare issue, not who, but what. Um, you know, this is how they look at us, right? Spaceship Earth. The crew are, the crew, which is us, the crew are plundering the ship supplies, tinkering with the temperature and life support controls, still looking for the instruction manual, engaging in bloody skirmishes in every corner of the vessel, increasing the size of the crew by 2 million per week. Humans have taken over and vastly shortened evolution of the planet, global warming, pollution, deforestation, huge public work, gorgeous dams, of the human species, genomic design and repair, Mind children, what the fuck is that? Moravec, products slash life forms, cross species molecular breeding, directed evolution. Okay, these are all the things they're talking about. Um, you said, What do I think of the Bilderberg wish list? I don't know what that is. I can imagine what that is, though. If that's anything like the um, World Economic Forum, you'll uh, own nothing and be happy about it. No, I'm not fucking with that. Um, seeing if I could pull up, you know, they talk about nanotechnology, technological ages of humankind. Oh, okay, so bet. Check this out, right? This is what they see. Hunter-killer groups, millions BC to 10,000 10, BC. Agriculture, 10,000 BC to 1800 AD. Industrial, 1800 to 1950. IT, 1950 to 2020. Bio-nano, 2020, beyond. Virtual. They don't give a date for virtual. We, we're already headed, like 2020, that's where we're at now. And we're already headed into the virtual with this metaverse. So they anticipated this in 2001. Which means I'm willing to bet whatever technology is coming down to us as consumer technology in the virtual and augmented reality world has already been used in utilized in in military and we're probably getting a weaponized form of it let's just to be honest probably getting a weaponized form of it at this point yeah this stuff it, it's so dense to even um to even pull something out of this for us to make sense um yeah 
Okay, U.S. Human Brain Project, begun in early 90s, funded by 16 organizations across five agencies. Ooh, NIH, NSF, DOD, NASA, DOE. Okay. AKA Neuroinformatics, Intersection of Neuroscience and Informatics. Exploding Field, 10,000 individual presentations at annual meeting of Society for Neuroscience, from molecular geneticists to cognitive psychologists. Determining detailed neuroanatomy of human brain, digital brain atlas, use of IT to study brain, use of brain info to aid ITAI. The Imagination Engine, AKA Creativity Machine, AKA Creative Agent. Um, um, this is just so dense, so dense, you know? I feel like this is the type of document that we would just have to study and then do a whole show on it because okay by 2025 40 percent of private and 15 percent of public colleges and universities are expected to close due to web-based competition northern va businessman recently donated a hundred million dollars to set up a free ivy league class online university the ultimate education approach plug and play Direct silicone or other device connection to brain. Very rapid uploads, education in minutes instead of many years. So they're talking about like some Johnny mnemonic shit or some, some matrix shit where you just plug something to the side of your head or the back of your head and, oh, I know kung fu type of shit. Advantages of shallow sea desert production of biomass via seawater irrigation. That's some other shit. Terraforming, altered desert Desert desertification, desertification, preservation, production of fresh water, like uh, this is a piece, piece. You know, probable circle 2025 societal changes. So, you know, again, the reason I brought this up was because we're seeing how we're seeing the um the debt clock, right? And the budget showdown 2026. These people have plans for us around 2025, 2026. And if you were melanated in the United States, I'm telling you, I think the time to leave this country is by December 31st, 2024. That is the end of the international decades for people of African descent. Uh, listen. I know we've got a lot of issues. Are we African? Are we Native Americans? Uh, listen, yo. Let's say you're black native. I wish John was on this show right now so we could talk about it, right? Does that mean that you have no connection to Africa? I personally don't think so. Because if you're black native American, are you related to the Polynesians who came here way back in the day? Are you related to the Olmecs who came back here, you know, maybe three to 5,000 years ago? Were you always here when the land masses split from each other? Were you just on this land already? Well, if you were, you're still African, okay? The UN has already declared that people of the diaspora are owed reparations from the United States, from Britain, okay? That means, to me, that means the Vatican too. Just strip all that, all the gold and jewels off the Vatican walls and hand them over, you know? help people to uh, rebuild their their society and their economy. Britain, they have all that wealth. 
the, the wicked ass queen rides around in a carriage made of solid gold. Take that bitch's carriage, you know? Um, should cancel all the debt to all the African nations. Cancel all debt. That's the least you could do for robbing, raping, and pillaging their countries. And Africans are going to need all the resources that, that they can uh, utilize to fend off the Chinese who are coming in to do the same thing, but in a more diplomatic way. Okay? Blast the diaspora. Need to get out of the U.S. by December 31st, 2024. Because after that, if you didn't get reparations, if we didn't get reparations, if we, all that stuff, yo, it's not going to be good. You see, they're already trying to eliminate us when these shots, these vaccines came out. What did they say? Make sure African-Americans get them first. What the fuck you think? When do they ever want to do something for us first? And people just kind of glossed over that shit as if they didn't, oh, you know, oh, they're always trying to kill us. Ah, it's just them trying to kill us again. Like, no, they're trying to kill motherfuckers, Okay. Look what's going on in the in the um, the hospitals, especially public hospitals. When our people go into there, what happens? Um, uh, one, we we're not getting vaccinated in the rate in the rate at the rates that the rest of the population are getting those vaccines. So automatically, what what Biden, Jim Crow Joe, coming out and saying it's a it's a pandemic of the unvaccinated. Who are they talking to? I think 70-something percent, 60-70% of us haven't gotten it. Who are they talking to? Mr. Va- Mr. A pandemic of the Unvaccinated. They're talking to us, okay? They want us to get it. Andrew Cuomo was talking about sending people to, to, to our doors to come and take us in the van, take us down to the vaccine center, okay? Who do you think he's talking to? Who do you think they have in mind when they're making these outlandish statements, okay? For, I'm telling you. December 31st, Peace Fedco. December 31st. Is it December? Have 31 days or 30 days? <laughs> I'm over here talking this shit. <laughs> yeah. December 31st, 2024. We need to be out of this country. You need to be making plans to leave the United States. Maybe Africa will open up her doors to us. Like, listen, all these agreements, this is the international decade of African people. That means if you are melanated, period. <laughs> if you're a melanated, period, that, that, uh, Africa is Zion, okay? At the end of the day, even if you don't consider yourself African, if you could blend in with an African, Africa is Zion, okay? You need to get your ass time to go home. Let's, we got to empty out the prison. We got let my people go. You know, the really bad criminals, we will deal with them as a community. We know who they are. We're talking about the rapists, all that shit. We'll deal with them. But it's time to go. Because they're trying, they have no, look at all the futuristic movies that come out. How many groups of black people do you see? You may see a couple melanated people sprinkled here and there. But how many groups of us do you see? You don't see us in space. You don't see a spaceship full of brothers and sisters. Nah, you may see one brother or one sister on a spaceship with a bunch of white and green people. Okay? That's because they don't see us in the future. Listen, they thought this shit was going to take us out. And if you were listening earlier on the show, when they're talking about this Marburg virus, 
that they want to unleash. This Marburg vibe, where do you think they're going to start it? They're going to start it in Africa. That's where they want to start it. COVID didn't get us, but if, if people see Marburg virus and hemorrhagic fever taking out Africans, that's normal to them. Oh, yeah, it's just another Ebola virus in Africa. They're always getting Ebola in Africa, okay? Listen, folks, according to these folks, there's no future for us. I feel I should kind of devote a whole show to this 2025 shit and break it down so it's not just a fleeting moment, you know? Go back and listen to this. But the budget showdown 2026, that's how this started. That's how this part of the conversation started. Budget showdown 2026. You should definitely check out the uh, NASA war document, a.k.a. the proper name, Future Strategic Issues, Future Warfare circa 2025 okay so that when we hear budget showdown 2026 it's in the proper context that's right agenda 2025 30 another book i've been reading talking about agenda 2020 technocracy the hard road to world order there's another book that i got too Controlled Demolition of the American Empire. I haven't even cracked this book yet. From the founding of the Federal Reserve to 9-11 to the coronavirus panic, okay? Controlled Demolition of the American Empire. This, these two books go together. Now this one, Technocracy, The Hard Road to World Order. This book came out in 2018. And so I like that because, you know, uh, like I said, you got to get this pre-COVID shit. When it comes to your knowledge base right now, try to go for the pre-COVID information because a lot of it lays out where we're at today. You know, I found so much that pertains to where we're at today when I searched for Operation Ring of Fire. I started going back to the Operation Ring of Fire information. And so, and lo and behold, what did we see? Remember when we had that eclipse a few months ago, that solar eclipse? And we had the, the oceans catching on fire, the Gulf of Mexico, and then the Caspian Sea. It, it, they called it, you know, the, the, the terminology ring of fire kept coming up in the media. And we were hitting on ring of fire before that narrative came into the media. So that just let us know, okay, we're on the right page with that. Because Operation Ring of Fire, that is like ushering in their new world order shit, okay? That is, I mean, look for... Train crashes, factory and warehouse explosions, okay? Look for volcanoes, volcano eruptions, especially like, I don't know, say, especially Yellowstone. I don't know if that's still bubbling, but you see how they tried to hit us with the Canary Islands, and then they hit us with the, um, what was it, Tonga, whatever that is in the Pacific that caused that, um, tsunami on the west coast we were supposed to get hit with the tsunami on the east coast they told us and thank you and bridges coming down thank you thank you um i can't even say that name but you know who you are thank you right bridges coming down right you see that bridge i think it was over in pennsylvania right so it's not just we have the deteriorating infrastructure in the united states but then we also are going to see infrastructure being broken down in the United States. So, right, bridges, you remember when that bridge caught on fire in, in, in uh, Atlanta? Shit like that, you know? 
So just pay attention to these things. These are the hallmarks of Operation Ring of Fire. Operation Ring of Fire is their way of ushering in their new world order, okay? Um, we touched on it. You could go back and look at the past shows on the SoundCloud, Ring of Fire, okay? Operation Ring of Fire. You see what we're talking about. You got to go back on old content. Okay, LA, LA3 thing. You said 811 Golden Gate's coming down. I've been hearing about Golden Gate for a while. That shit is pretty horrifying to even think about. I've been hearing about that for a couple years. I hope it doesn't come down anytime soon. But if it does, if you never heard it before, you heard it on On The Wake Up Radio, ladies and gentlemen. So I'm going to wrap it up for now. You know, while we still got juice, while I can still save these programs. But, you know, just stay vigilant, ladies and gentlemen. Stay vigilant. Do your research. Go back on these shows. Take some notes. You know, I always love when people drop drop uh, their uh, feedback in the comment section. Yo, you know what's crazy? My shows on Instagram, they went from, I, I went from getting thousands of views on the shows down to getting like 20, 30. How'd that happen? The fucking algorithms. That's why we don't fuck with them. Yo, in the last seven days on onthewickedradio.com, we had 30,000 plus listeners. 30,000 listeners in the last seven days, okay? Multiply that by how many seven, how many weeks? 52. 30 times 52. I don't know what that is off the top of my head, but that's a lot of fucking people. What's that, like 3 million people or something like that? Or more than that? Listen, folks, we're going for a billion people on OnTheWakeUpRadio.com this year. You already know what it is. I'm about to sign off. Thank you for tuning in, as always. Yeah, out of the blue said, yeah, that Grim Reaper at the Golden Gate. Many of you may remember that spooky CGI that was viral, like predicted. Yeah, I remember that shit. That shit was crazy out of the blue. Right, go check that out, folks. But you already know what it is, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for tuning in, tuning in as always. Um, you know, check us out at onthewakeupradio.com. Check us out at our social media platform, otwtube.com, otwtube.com. It's like YouTube, but otwtube.com, okay? Um, sign up, upload your videos, upload your content, all those videos that are being banned on all these other platforms. That's where you can find them on otwtube.com. The more of us on there, the more content that gets up there and the faster it gets up there. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in and participating. Thank you for coming through, as always. Um, big shout out to my brother, John, the Masonic Marine from the Truth Booth Podcast. Big shout out to super producer Cindy Ashby for bringing this all together. Tune in again next week, again, for the most dangerous two hours in radio on the wake up. Individual. Thanks for keeping the lights on, Diane. Cindy Ashby. On the wake up. Just get your body to move. Won't stop to shake the room, yeah. Just get your body to move. Why do I need to? Why do I need to? Then on the wake up, play. Won't stop to hear what we say, yeah.
strikes for a new world. You, the people, have the power to make this life free and beautiful, to make this life a wonderful adventure. By the promise of these things, brutes have risen to power, but they lie. They do not fulfill that promise. They never will. Dictators free themselves, but they enslave the people. Now let us fight to fulfill that promise. Let us all otwtube.com uncensored free speech platform